everyone. Welcome to our episode of In Conversation with IPR and Competition Law. I am Ishita Borwa, the host of this podcast's episode. I hope you have listened to our other weekend episodes too. Today, we have Mr. Dipin Verma, who is an IP lawyer and brand protection team lead at CoreSearch Amsterdam. He is an alumnus of Maastricht University, Netherlands, where he specialized in advanced masters in IP law and knowledge management law. Then he worked as a brand protection analyst at Pointer Brand Protection and Research at Amsterdam, then to becoming the brand protection team lead at CoreSearch Amsterdam. Hello, Dipin. Welcome to the podcast In Conversation with IPR and Competition Law. Hi, Ishita. Thank you for having me here. Uh, really excited to be speaking with you. Um, and first of all, congratulations on uh, yeah uh, successfully navigating this podcast. I see that you have a rich history of speakers, um, and I'm very happy um, yeah to be part of uh, yeah that list. And hopefully, I will be able to share some interesting insights, uh, which you will find and your listeners will find useful. Before beginning to today's uh, session, which is on intellectual property rights in brand protection, conjunction of reputation, revenue and trust, I would like to ask you uh, what led your interest to merge towards intellectual property rights and then your journey towards becoming brand protection team lead at CoreSearch and your overall experiences with your clients and your overall goal towards IPR. Um, yeah, so my interest started in intellectual property in the third year of my law school um, when it was introduced and I found it quite um, fascinating um, as opposed to other types of uh, subjects like criminal law, corporate law. Uh, so that's where my interest um, uh, started gathering. And after that, um, I did one master's in India um, in the Jindal Global Law School. Uh, mostly focused on IPR um, and then I worked for one year in a research uh, think tank uh, where I worked on standard essential patents. Uh, that was quite technical and interesting work to do as well. Um, after that, I went to Maastricht in Netherlands um, to the Maastricht University. Um, I was lucky enough to get the high potential scholarship um, on merit. Uh, so that was yeah, very helpful. Um, and after the intensive master's in IP, uh, great course, by the way, it was uh, yeah, really intensive and really um, yeah, knowledgeable. Um, after that, I joined uh, Pointer, it was called back then, uh, now it's called Core Search. Um, and we are um, industry leader in brand protection. Um, at that time, I wasn't aware of brand protection that much, still relatively new field. Uh, been I think eight to ten years it has uh, really come up in itself <clears throat> however I've been with uh, the company for more than four years now worked with clients from different industries uh, segments um, and it's been a great learning experience I learn ev- every day uh, every- something new um, and the most of the work <clears throat> sorry uh, goes towards understanding the issues faced by the clients in the online uh, sphere and then trying to create strategies and implement them uh, to deal with such issues uh, and help them with their yeah, brand-related issues on the online uh, marketplaces, domains, social media, etc. So yeah, that's uh, that's about it. 
Okay, that's a that's an interesting journey uh, from India to Maastricht and Netherlands. That's quite interesting. And to begin with the first question, centering around brand protection and IP. Uh, what does brand protection through IP mean, and why should brands invest in it? What are the different components of brand protection? Yeah, um, brand protection. Uh, so we have to understand that brand is for consumers, not companies, um, because brand is something which is used by consumers to identify with goods and services. Uh, without uh, the brands, as we know them today, uh, it will be really chaotic. Um, consumers will not know where the product is coming from if they could trust the quality um, of the product or the service they are receiving. Um, and yeah, so in that sense, brand is for consumers. Um, and the main aspect is uh, for companies to do is to register their IPs um, and help protect their brands from online abuse, uh, even in case of unregistered IPs. Um, as for the components, there are different components uh, to brand protection online. Um, first is the marketplaces, um, the popular ones like we know eBay, Amazon, and then we have uh, domains and websites. Uh, quite crucial and also we have social media um, some of the biggest one Facebook uh, Instagram and now TikTok also uh, then we have app protection as well um, uh, apps being sold on Google Play Store uh, Apple Store and other numerous app stores um, gray market products um, and so on so there are different components in the sense of where uh, the brand could face an issue uh, for uh, itself and where it would like to focus on um, as for the important elements, uh, the first step is always to acknowledge that there is an issue. Um, uh, many times managements have the tendency to ignore or, or even accept uh, something like counterfeiting as an inevitable evil that it will happen no matter what. Um, however, it's really important to acknowledge that um, that would be the first step. The second step would be to focus on what the issue is, what the business is really concerned about. It's not always counterfeiting. Uh, there are several issues which um, can affect a brand. Uh, for example, the brand reputation, uh, protecting the brand from being generalized, uh, consumer protection, focusing not on the brand, but the consumer itself, um, could be also protection of uh, authorized sellers. So there are different components um, of it where the business can face um, yeah, problems with. The next step would be to identify who is concerned with that issue. Uh, there are different stakeholders in the company. Um, if you ask sales, they'll have a different If you ask marketing, they will have a different view of it. And if you ask legal team, they will have their own agendas and goals as far as brand protection is concerned. So it's also important to understand uh, where this request, the concern is coming from. And the next step would be to identifying what where is the issue right so as i mentioned there are different components marketplaces social media domains um, so it might be the case that your brand is facing issues from all fronts um, for sure uh, but also some fronts and then also to understand do we have the relevant ip protection uh, which will be needed uh, to do anything about it the next step is to determine priorities um, it's very important uh, brands understand that they need to look at where the consumers are based, uh, where are they having the most sales, for, for instance, where they do have IP protections. So there are different steps to determine the priorities. Lastly, uh, the most important component is hiring a professional brand protection service provider. 
like code search itself uh, because it's important to loop in the expertise um, of these BP service providers along with the feedback you're getting from clients um, and what the business is seeing um, and what's the internal feedback and what they would like to see in terms of uh, the brand uh, being visible in the online space. So yeah, that would be my take on this question. Uh, this answer really uh, governs everything about how IP is important towards brand protection. So uh, moving on to the next question is that how important is a strategic approach to brand protection? What kind of major issues or trends did you observe for most brands across the board? Uh, what is the role of brand protection agencies such as CoreSearch in protecting the brand reputation and revenue generation at the same time? Yeah, very good question. Um, I think strategy is everything um, in respect to brand protection, similar to uh, most things in life. Uh, doing brand pro- online brand protection without uh, strategy is shooting arrows in the dark because there's only finite resources uh, in terms of money and manpower uh, which a brand uh, is capable and willing to put into the uh, brand protection program so it becomes very important to have a strategy Um, in respect to that most important thing is asking the right questions the what why who where um, and questions as such like the ones i identified previously as well so that's where we started asking the questions to the client the brand in question um for instance doing takedowns without a focused approach and reasoning is not efficient takedowns uh, i refer to taking content which is online infringing the brand um, getting it offline uh, whether it be marketplaces or domains or social media <clears throat> um, therefore identification of problem setting the goals and establishing measures of success all these three things are very important before starting um, just a small example if you have a small platform in indonesia uh, with more than 100,000 listings uh, for example even if you take down 100,000 counterfeit listings there might be 100 or 1,000 listings remaining which give enough opportunity for consumers to be able to buy fake knowingly or unknowingly Um, and if that platform exists not in your priority region that doesn't really help your business because most of your consumers are not buying products from that um, marketplace and if someone wants to buy counterfeit they can for sure find a way to find a counterfeit Um, instead of uh, going without a proper strategy you know there are different things can be done for example focusing on high value targets uh, sellers with bigger stocks and volumes uh, focusing on those sellers blocking them permanently from marketplaces uh, whack-a-mole approach just taking down listings again and the list the sellers come back with the same counterfeit listing um, doesn't really um, serve your end game so that's also important and then focusing on uh, initial pages of search results of marketplaces of Google, for example, or focusing on places where confirmed sales targets are there, uh, where we know that seller has sold those products uh, and it's reaching the consumers, that will be also essential. Now, the goal is to prevent uh, 
consumer from mistakenly buy counterfeit so as i said anyone who wants to buy in counterfeit intentionally will find a way to somehow do it um and also i think it, it's important how the brands deal with the numbers uh, for example a brand can ask okay why do we have uh, low takedowns uh, numbers from previous month or compared to other brands now um what i say is five valuable takedowns are much more valuable than 500 not so valuable takedowns because those five takedowns were the source of majority of counterfeits as opposed to those 500 irrelevant uh, or not so important listings on marketplaces for instance um, so as long as the um, uh, feedback feedback loop um, is aligned between us the business and the consumers that that would be a good strategy as to the biggest trends in uh, brand protection recently i would say two um are which come to mind first being phishing domains um which also includes typo squatting so basically um uh, infringers they will create websites uh, which sound like and look like official websites so it could be uh, let's say a brand has only one website uh, per region or internationally it says brand.com uh, these infringers will come up with brandindia.com or brand.india.net uh, for instance and consumers who are not aware of this might see this website um, and think that oh it's an official website they try to make the purchase because they see good discounts they end up Uh, giving away their personal information and also either they receive um, a counterfeit product or no product at all um another instance is sponsored ads on social media uh, which basically covers uh, facebook and instagram for instance so if you go on facebook uh, or instagram you will see advertisements targeted towards you according to your searches and the products you are interested in um and these ads will be used by these infringers to direct you to these phishing domains or any other um fake social media profile for example where they will entice you to buy counterfeits so that will be the two biggest trends um and as for the role of core search um making a real time impact as something what we do um and the online brand protection agencies as opposed to code cases um for sure uh, that's something which sometimes needs to be taken to the courts but that will take as you know uh, with several courts in several countries uh, several years to settle down the matter uh, what we do um is an alternate strategy making the impact in real time without going to the court and also saving uh, heavy legal uh, fees um what we do is asking the right questions to the clients onboarding them um with proper information understanding the issue and suggesting a tailor made strategy for each client and then assess um and demonstrate the success it's a long question so if you have anything uh, in between <laughs> feel free to jump in if you have any question on this um does it sound good till now yes so i wanted to ask you actually what is the impact of counterfeiting on brands um yeah there's a lot of impact um in several terms but first we need to understand is why do counterfeits exist so if you think about it in a way that um 
the brands um, are spending a lot of money in coming up with new products that a lot of investment goes into R&D and then you have to market those products to reach the right consumers which involves a lot of spending in marketing now these counterfeiters they want to avoid these costs and they take the shortcut so without spending the investments on R&D and marketing they would just create the copies without permissions um, and try to make the money and unfortunately um, this kind of activities are front of a lot of illegal activities uh, like terrorism money laundering human trafficking etc so the money generated by these counterfeit and fake activities um, also goes into a lot of problematic areas now counterfeiting is projected to be around 3 tri- trillion dollar industry by next year that's huge um, and also the pandemic has given a big boost to online shopping as we have seen people were locked inside their houses and nowhere to go and shops were closed so everyone moved online there was a sales increase from 10 to 30% um so that's also uh, something which has given the boost to counterfeiting itself what it does it takes away sales and revenues away from the companies uh, and of course all the r&d and uh, investment done by the companies end up not having the same returns for them it affects consumer confidence in the brand if i am buying a counterfeit um, believing it to be a genuine product and then suffering from the consequences of it either it could be bad quality um, or other another harmful impact of the product given what it is i would be unlikely to buy the product again from the brand or even uh, recommend it to another user also i will be voicing my grievance to the brand itself and in most cases the brand though they did not sell the product will be will have to deal with this consumer backlash and to to deal with the grievance shared by the consumers apologize in some cases also um for instance um we had a real life case where there was these clothing items being um uh made in china and then sold uh, without brand's awareness to children in school for something related to superheroes uh the kids were affected um on their skin due to the product the harmful chemicals used in those products um and when we took the uh, infringing party down uh, we did get a thank you email from the school for example and then you have pharmaceuticals industrial components um, automotives uh, there's a big market of fake brakes uh, and components of cars imagine buying um a brake which doesn't work from your uh, local provider uh, or mechanic he doesn't know it's fake he he didn't realize what he was buying or you didn't realize what you were buying and you end up having an accident because of that and then in the end it loops back to the brand uh, and affects the brand's loyalty and reputation in the market so in the end it's not only harming the consumers harming the brand and everyone it's kind of a vicious circle so yeah that's a uh, that's how I, I would define impact of counterfeiting yeah so that's yeah, counterfeiting it's really really bad for the brands as we can see but also now we like to move to the online era of brand protection segment now so uh, what are the latest developments and concerns for brand protection arising from the rise of nfts and uh, web3 and metaverse 
Yeah, very interesting area, um, NFTs and blockchain technology. Uh, it's quite the talk word of the uh, of these days. Um, if you want, if you want to understand NFTs, um, they are basically just a piece of code which are being sold online, um, which is, is connected to a digital asset. Um, you're not even buying the digital asset; you're just buying the proof of ownership of that uh, digital asset. Could be a painting, it could be a song, it could be a video, uh, could be a GIF, and so on. Um, I see it as a, an example of financial bubble. Um, not sure if you are aware of the tulip bubble. It's a phrase used in economics. Uh, basically, in Netherlands in the early 1600s, uh, there was speculation about the future value of uh, unique designs of tulips. So everyone just started bidding more and more on them, and then they reached uh, value in hundreds of thousands of uh, dollars and euros that time. Uh, even though there was no utility in uh, an individual tulip flower but everyone was just buying because of the speculation around it and then the market crashed because yeah everyone realized that tulip is a flower at the end of the day not much you can do with it um, so that's that's how i see it um, the nft marketplace and we've seen it's 90 97 percent down since uh, january this year earlier um, a lot of um, NFT brands uh, are trying to bring out utilities of them um, and trying to make them uh, relevant uh, despite this. That's something interesting we have to see. However, I'm more interested um, and concerned, so to say, about the blockchain technology and its uses. Um, uh, if you uh, are interested in knowing more about NFTs and the legal issues circling around them. There are some interesting cases like the Hermes Birkin handbag NFT case where someone just created Hermes uh, Birkin bags uh, digital art and started selling them as NFTs, made a lot of money, uh, got sued by the uh, brand of course uh, and then uh, Nike case as well where this uh, partner of theirs is selling NFTs of Nike shoes um, another one was Tarantino and Miramax, where Tarantino was auctioning uh, components from the movie. Um, yeah, I forgot, uh, I think one of the movies. And he was selling the script um, and other items from the movie as NFTs. And uh, the studio was not happy with it and they filed the copyright case. Uh, this one got settled out outside the court, which is, yeah. Uh, sad because we, we won't see where it would have gone in a court case but the other two cases are still pending in the court um, on the other hand um, web3 domains is something which is coming up quite uh, recently after the nft craze um, and what basically web3 domain is um, it's similar to web ip address converted into human readable format for example 8.8.8.8 uh, we know as Google, easy to remember um, and share. Uh, similarly, wallet addresses, uh, crypto wallet address consist of lots of numerical values uh, and Web3 domain is something you can refer to as name of the crypto wallet. So yeah, I can just say instead of uh, me sharing with you A, B, C, D, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 or whatever as my wallet address, I can tell you dipin.eth, E-T-H, uh, that will be much easier and then you can transfer me crypto or we can do other transactions easily. 
now use of this technology in creating websites which are accessible um, and visible like the websites and domains we know today uh, car.com for example um, the interesting thing is that they are not accessible by normal browsers like chrome um, you need an extension um, one of it's called almonet or a special browser like opera or crypto uh, or brave browser where you can go and uh, try to access these web3 domains um, the most um, concerning part of this is that the idea behind web3 domains is to have uh, decentralization to not have a central authority uh, for instance we have ican um, in case of the regular websites we know or the registrars or the hosting providers whom we can approach uh, a brand can approach for instance if someone is violating their trademarks however uh, if we have decentralization there is no central authority to reach uh, and complain about it and that does lead to some fears um, in respect to what happens when someone sets up a fake shop in web3 sphere and uh, we don't have any recourse to uh, i'm sure there will be ways uh, which we will have to find around to take these downs but that's something to be seen um as for the use and impact of uh, udrp um yeah it's um very interesting as well sorry there's something to say yeah yeah actually um i wanted to ask like uh what do you what what is the use of impact of udrp we that is also we know that uniform domain um name dispute resolution policy and in order to protect the rightful owner of the uh, of the brand from cyber squatters like what are your take up on this Ah yes sorry I just I just went ahead and started chatting on that. Uh, mm. uh thanks yeah. Um it's we consider that this as a last option unless it's very important uh case for the client um because it's quite expensive. So if you have your uh domain as I gave example before brand.com if someone comes up with brandindia.com and starts uh, using it um either in respect to your products uh, that's more helpful for your case uh, but even otherwise uh then you can reach out to um i can um and start the udrp process i think wipo helps with that process um the burden of proof is higher uh it takes around 60 days um to finish the proceedings uh the higher compliance rate is there the most important thing about this is that there are three elements to prove first you have to prove there is identical name or confusingly similar name to your trademark which you have rights to second that the entity which is using this um similar or confusingly similar name has no legitimate interest for doing so and lastly we have to prove that it is registered in bad faith um example could be cyber squatter coming to you that hey i have brand india.com do you want it for $10,000 uh that could be an evidence and bad faith or someone selling counterfeits um and we established that that it is registered in bad faith as i said it's used as last option in many cases but of course um in high importance cases can begin with it first we try to reach out to registrars and hosting providers and other entities to try to take down the domain itself um yeah that's uh, that does that answer your question 
yes um so uh, moving on to our next question uh, what is the role of trademark in brand protection and why is it considered the most important intellectual property right when it comes to brand reputation and protection trademarks uh, definitely uh, one of the most used weapons uh, in brand protection um, and also the way brands uh, are uh, seen by consumers as a trademark which is being used to present the products and services uh, that's why it becomes the most important one reputation is directly connected to trademarks um, because consumers recognize and associate that uh, to the products and services uh, it's also important to understand difference between counterfeits and trademark abuse called as free riding so if uh, someone is selling a knockoff or cheaper version looking of my product but not is not using the trademarks on the product itself uh, and using that to sell uh, or advertise it for example i can put up on amazon um there's a brand uh, x t-shirt but the t-shirt is plain there's nothing on it or there's something else and i just write it in the uh, listing title itself that would be a case of free riding trademark abuse a counterfeit on the other hand would be if i'm selling brand x t-shirt putting the brand x trademark on the t-shirt itself to make it look like that t-shirt is coming directly from the brand itself that would be a case of counterfeit um and in terms of trademarks uh, common law principles for unregistered trademarks can be used in some countries uh, to show the use of trademark though i would say that works better in court cases than online so it's always better to have um, registrations of trademarks um, at least in the countries where your main business is and where you want to target the sales because that will definitely be needed when it comes to protecting the brand itself however in case of um, absence of registrations there's other ways to um, also protect the brand could be copyrights designs patents itself um, and even other uh, rights such as trade dress uh, or copyright on the logos or pictures can be used um, so yeah trademark definitely one of the most important one but it's not the end of the world if you don't have the trademark protection um, that there there are ways around it as well are there any particular strategies with respect to ipr that the brand brand owners can implement in order to protect the brand's reputation yeah um i think i covered some strategies above but if i want to think of some more particular ones i would say um yeah very important to keep your ip registrations updated um sometimes happens and we see that trademarks uh, are about to expire or expired already and then the trademark offices in some of the countries take a long long time to process those changes um and that can give you a certain time period where you are out of protection and it can be used against you very seriously so uh, that's something which is of course internal to brands and really needs to be taken care of one example also would be the nfts market space uh, where you technically and legally need class 9 trademarks uh, in digital goods though not most brands have this because they never needed it 
but there are early mover benefits um, as in the future the compliance uh, behavior of these nft platforms might change for instance they might stop accepting class 25 trademarks for example um on the other hand um if you don't have budget uh, available for the whole year uh, the brand can focus its uh, brand protection program on priority times like sales periods at the end of the year we have black friday coming up single stay um so where a lot and a lot of counterfeits is targeted uh, towards consumers that could be one option or it could be brand specific if there is particular time of the year where your brand really gets targeted um another one which is very important one would be to reach out to a professional service uh, like coursearch um I'm not uh, trying to advertise it but of course uh, that's something I'm proud of being part of course search and providing these services um and we do provide industry leading technology um scraping abilities image technology logo detection uh massive data scraping tool um and also gathering several data points effectively uh, intelligence services uh, several years of brand protection um so it's very important to have um a service provider for this uh this strategy and again focus on high value targets high priority platforms uh, it's not advisable to do everything and anything possible because then you you minimize the impact so it's important to um, really focus your efforts towards priorities um regions with better iv portfolio and uh, uh picking and choosing what you want to do um also for brands which are large in scale and have lots of uh, lobbying presence you know getting involved in conversations with other brands legal authorities agencies like europols and uh, usdr uh, that would be something um uh, which can add a lot of value to your brand protection program um yeah think uh, i can think of these at the moment <laughs> yeah so are unconventional marks such as trade dress and trade secrets which do not have any particular legislation in india important for for brand protection if yes can you please elaborate on their importance with regard to brand protection in india as well as globally sure uh, trade dress is definitely one important tool uh, to use in case if you don't have trademarks uh product packaging colors um even though they can be trademark as well um but can still be enforced uh, in absence as such um in india there's no separate provision which specifically deals with trade dress in the trademarks act 1999 uh but it is offered under protection under the common law of passing off uh, which includes aspects of packaging shape of goods color combinations etc um now again these um uh, features need to be distinctive inherently um or acquired distinctive uh, character from use so that's something which needs to be established why uh, that protection arises in the first place um internationally it's also recognized we have successful uh, use cases in united states and european union and several other countries yeah that that's that's what i would say on this one um what is your suggestions uh, to brands which are not yet involved or starting out in the brand protection field 
Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, there's a lot and uh, lots of brands out there uh, which are not involved yet. Uh, my suggestion would be start the internal conversation. Um, start uh, discussing. Um, identify what your issues are um, in respect to brand protection. Where you are facing concerns. Where are you being questioned by the stakeholders or the consumers? Um, and to understand why and for whom you would like to solve uh, the issues and where you would like to solve them. Um, reach out to brand protection agencies uh, such as Core Search uh, to really help you not to deal not not just to deal with the issues but also help you understand where you might have issues through help of scoping reports um, and understanding what can be done about them and what cannot be done about them. Um, yeah, that would be my suggestion. Yes, uh, so as we have come to the end of the question answer section, the last question that I would like to ask you is what are <coughs> the life lessons that you would like to listen with? Uh, just one minute. Are you um, okay? <laughs> yeah, just uh, sorry, dry cough. Sorry, I'm so sorry. What are oh, the life okay, lessons? Okay. Yeah. So, uh, what are the life lessons that you would like to disseminate to the audiences? Also, some book recommendations which would really help the young potential innovators to redirect their mind to think outside the box. Sure. <laughs> Have a sip of water. Great. Um, life lessons. Um, yeah, think about uh, a couple of points. Something which I tell everyone around me, uh, even yeah, now I think I said it to my team even last week. Um, I would say focus on things you can control and bring the change there. Um, and don't stress about the things which you cannot control. I think the, the latter part is where we spend most of our time and resources on throughout our lives. Um, which is not really yeah uh, needed so that would be one um, again also having long-term and short-term goals professional personal life it's very important uh, especially for law students for for instance um, and I think uh, your podcast is a great example of having some goals setting up yours for yourself and going and achieving them so kudos to you um, also, um, this is something which I wish someone had told me uh, in my schooling days or in my <laughs> law school days as well, uh, to stop worrying about minor or irrelevant things uh, which will not matter in the next five years. You know, what uh, is someone thinking, what that group does, what that group does not, and all these minor things um which do not end up making a difference uh, in life uh, in the grand sense so focusing on the bigger things uh, which matter in the long run is definitely important um another thing for um starting professionals uh, as you are also reaching towards the finalization of your uh, law studies um, and other professionals who are starting i think it's it's something very important that no one is perfect everyone is learning so it's very important to be confident in your abilities and the things you know and the drive to learn uh, because life is too short to be perfectionist and to learn everything in one go so 
we should not lose heart or confidence um, if you come across something which you don't know or uh, haven't learned yet so it's, it's always a learning experience yeah um, thank you thank you thank you so much dipin yeah. yeah, it was uh, mm. uh, you you asked about my book re- recommendation as well uh, yes yes exactly so, <laughs> yeah sure um i would say three books i i thought about it in three different ways so first of all for brand protection uh, if you want to learn more about it there is a book called online brand protection by joshua hopping is actually a colleague of mine at core search and it's a very um, uh, brief book but to the point um so i would suggest that to learn more on brand protection um for fiction i would say uh legal thrillers by john krish used to be my favorite uh time to kill the farm for instance and uh, lastly uh, for life ideology um i would say um the subtle art of not giving a fuck by mark manson it's a very simple and straightforward small book uh, but it's it's uh, message is amazing and changed my life so i would definitely recommend that yeah thank you thank you so much as i'm also a law student in my final year uh, i really needed uh, this life lessons and motos and thank you so much also for the book recommendations too um i think we all listeners should take note of this life lessons and motos from dipin thank you dipin it was an interesting session um i would also like to thank all the listeners for tuning in to today's episode and it was a pleasure to have you on our podcast and discuss intellectual property rights in brand protection conjunction of reputation revenue and trust thank you uh for questions suggestions and recommendations please feel free to contact us on our linkedin or instagram account thank you so much great thank you so much for having me um and uh, i wish you good luck with your remaining studies and a prosperous uh, and successful career afterwards please do reach out to me uh, if i can be of any help since you are so much interested in ipr uh, so yeah i'll be happy to do so yeah thank you so much Great. Thank you.